Chapter 2. Preparing to Launch The two men made quick time on their way back to camp, trying to outpace the approaching rider. Words had been sparse on their return journey, just as they had been on their way to the skeleton tree. However, this new silence was filled with the tension of a different sort. Their journey to the tree had been ruled by friction, both men dancing around their frustrations, hoping to avoid a spark that might set their tenuous friendship ablaze. On the return trek, both the old warrior and the boy had been filled with a kind of clarity after airing their grievances and fortifying the foundation of their kinship. Their emotions, however, were raw after expressing such vulnerability, so much so that as the two of them made their way into the camp, the boy could feel the sheer bleakness that the camp exuded settle on his shoulders like a wet cloak. It took a conscious effort for him to keep his whole body from slumping. It had been a long while since the boy had felt this mood so strongly. It was as if the altercation by the tree had stripped away his calluses. As they reached their starting point by the hitching posts, the boy looked up to see if the old warrior was having a similar reaction. He was surprised to see that the older man had stopped several paces back and was looking out into the setting sun, where the rider was approaching, only a few hundred paces away. The boy recognized the short, stocky figure of Helb, one of the crew's better scouts, and a man who'd taken well to Craven's leadership of late. He's moving pretty fast, thought the boy, as Helb quickly closed the distance. The bandit slowed his horse as he approached the hitching posts, but he stopped just short of them, nimbly hopping off his dark brown mare and coming to stop in front of Craven. It was obvious by the sweat on both his and the horse's brow that he'd been riding at a steady lope for a while. The boy was surprised the short scout had stopped before his destination, but Craven didn't miss a beat. He let the man catch his breath for a moment, hands on his knees, before addressing him. So what's the score, Halb? The man stood up straighter, having mostly recovered himself, and made an awkward movement with his right hand that might have been the beginnings of a salute, before dropping it back to his side and making uneasy eye contact with the older warrior. Cra- Uh, sir. Crave raised an eyebrow. The younger warrior was obviously struggling with what to call the veteran, as the new hierarchy he was establishing had yet to take clear shape. Well, uh, sir he said, shoulders pinching back as he affirmed his choice of address for the man. I spotted a caravan with three carts of the good stuff. They were just setting up camp about two, two and a half leagues west of here. Craven nodded. How's their security? The wily veteran probed. Not much that I could see. About a half a dozen guards. Just your standard marks, though. Nothing we can't handle. The veteran nodded. All right, then. Go tell... He trailed off, looking slightly perplexed, then asked, Did you say they were setting up camp at this hour? Yeah, they were putting out tents and everything, responded the scout. The old warrior's eyes glassed over a bit, looking confused. The boy was confused, too, but was also intrigued. What's the old bag getting at? That's odd. Why would they choose to make camp at night with such a small force? They do know we're out here, right? Crave muttered. He looked up at the scout and asked, Did they light a fire? The man nodded. Nothing too big, but they, were, they weren't trying to hide anything either. 
The older warrior grunted and looked down at his feet, obviously deep in thought. Why be so open about it? Craven mumbled. They must not know about us, responded Helb, as if Craven had been asking him. Or maybe they're just stupid. Right. The veteran trailed off. Did you get a look at the cards themselves? How nice they look. The scout's eyes shifted upwards for a moment, obviously sifting through the images of the caravan in his mind. You know, now that I think on it, the two with the cargo are simple things. But there was one that seemed a bit more colorful. Had some kind of black and white design on it. The short scout had put his hand on his chin and thought. I think it had a cover on it too, like someone was living on it. Shit, the old warrior cursed. As he shook his head slightly, I don't like this. A loud slap split the air. The three men could easily hear it from across the camp, followed by the sound of a slender body hitting the floor. Blasted, useless bitch! They could hear the bandit leader exclaim as he roused himself from his opulent tent. Axes' tall, muscular form burst through the tent flaps. His scarred, shirtless body painted a dark red by the setting sun, face contorted with rage. The bandit leader had an empty bottle in one hand, which he frustratedly shattered in the dying fire. Craven let out a long, resigned sigh. Well, <sighs> looks like it doesn't matter now. The weathered man looked back at the scout and said, Tie off your horse and report back to Axe, and go get some water. We'll be heading out shortly. Help nodded, pulling his horse towards the hitching posts, where the boy was still standing. His eyes flicked towards the boy's belt knife, then back to Craven. As the short bandit moved to do as he was told, the boy looked at Craven, confused as to what had just happened. Why was he so concerned about this raid? Why did how nice the carts look matter so much? Why did Axie's awakening seem to solve the whole thing? As the boy thought through the interaction again, his eyes wandered past Helb's jogging form towards Axie's, searching for something that might give him some answers without having to ask Craven. As his gaze landed on the enshadowed bandit leader, all thoughts froze. The man was looking straight at them, both he and Crave. But instead of the constant, angry glare the boy was expecting, Axis's face was an emotionless stone mask, half covered in shadow, the other colored by the blood-red light of the setting sun. The boy was terrified of that face, although he was ashamed to feel so scared. The boy knew that this hard, emotionless gaze was far more dangerous than mere anger from the bandit leader. He must have caught help reporting to Craven first. There were few things that would piss Axes off more than seeing one of his cronies showing deference to someone other than himself, especially since this was a new development in the camp's hierarchy. The boy was unable to look away from the terrifying man's face until Helb arrived in front of the bandit leader, and he looked down at the shorter man to receive his report. The boy let out a breath that he did not know he had been holding. His immediate reaction was to look over at Craven to see if the other man had noticed Axis's gaze. It didn't look like he had. The tough old veteran was staring off to the west as the last vestiges of the sun disappeared behind the horizon. 
the boy took a step forward and opened his mouth to warn the older man about the ire he had earned from the bandit king. But before he could speak, the hardened veteran had cut in. Don't you have some chores to do, boy? Asked the older man, still staring out at the darkening sky. The boy felt like he had been backhanded by the question. What was that about? We just had this soul-binding moment by the skeleton tree, and now it's back to master and slave? The boy was about to balk at the older man's rash treatment of him, but stopped when he saw Craven's face turning back to look at him. The man was obviously concerned, not just about the upcoming raid, but for him as well. In the moment's pause, the boy understood. It has to be like this. Just because we strengthened our bond out in the desert doesn't mean we could be anything but master and slave in the camp. No one could know about his training or their friendship. Not if either of them learned to stay alive. Right, he affirmed as he nodded to the old soldier, trying with that simple gesture to convey that he understood the gravity of the situation. Craven closed his eyes and gave a slight nod of assent before shifting his gaze back to the dimming horizon. At that, the boy turned and jogged back to his tent. It didn't take long for the boy to grasp why Axes' boisterous awakening had broken any doubts about whether the Darkland bandits would be raiding tonight. They had run out of liquor, an absolute necessity for the bandit crew in these lands. From that realization on, the boy was quick to pick up his shovel and get back to work on Axe's fledgling ship pit, hoping to avoid being the victim of the hungover rages that would take place when the rest of the crew realized they would have to work to avoid their sobriety this night. For the most part, he was successful in that endeavor, although he did catch Axes glancing his way several times. Outside of those few tenuous moments, the camp was roused and ready for the fight in relatively short order. It was interesting to the boy, who after almost 20 minutes of overdramatized digging had made very little progress, how the camp's growing divisions were beginning to reveal themselves among those hardened warriors. Even in the well-practiced motions of rising for another raid at dusk, with his eyes more attentive than ever, the boy could make out the two distinct factions that were bubbling forth. The first, and far more numerous group, were those men who had been with the crew the longest. Many of these men were likely in their late thirties, but the drink and desert had made them look as though they were exiting middle age as opposed to entering it. These men were hardened fighters and hardened drinkers. They woke with much griping and fanfare. Upon exiting their tents in various states of undress, each man would first glare and grumble at an empty liquor bottles strewn around the camp then shift those attentions to other inanimate objects they came in contact with, finally sharing their displeasure with their fellow bandits, although these interactions rarely came to blows. However, with all the melodrama, there was still a practice deficiency with which these grizzled men snapped on their sword belts, saddled their horses, and readied themselves for battle. The second faction that had begun cropping up over the past several weeks, was composed of many of the younger men in camp, most in their mid to late twenties, from what the boy could tell. The bulk of these men had arrived in camp over the last year or so, often coming in with similar haunted expressions. For the better part of their time with the bandits, these men had settled into the same routine as the veterans. Over the past few weeks, however, they had begun to take a more diligent approach to how they rose and readied themselves. Craven's will to lead and set an example having a marked effect on the younger men. The difference between the two camps was not stark at this point, but it was noticeable if you paid attention. 
For instance, the younger men woke and readied themselves in silence, often taking time, otherwise spent griping and grumbling to sharpen swords, fill water skins, and tighten straps on leather jerkins. These changes were not great, but Axes certainly noticed when the two groups of men rode up to meet him at the western edge of the camp, the latter faction falling on Craven's heels. The men quickly formed up in a half-circle around their leader, only Craven breaking the shape. He rode carefully up to the bandit leader, clearly disrupting the cadence of this well-worn ritual. The boy paused in his half-hearted digging, trying to catch his mentor's words from across the camp, to no avail. It was obvious that whatever Craven was saying to the bandit king, he was trying to keep it from the rest of the men. After a few short minutes of one-sided murmuring, Axes let out a snort of derision. Crave looked annoyed, but accepted his dismissal, moving his horse back towards the men, placing himself halfway between Axes and the neat crescent of bandits. The bandit leader's face contorted, clearly irked by the move, but instead of calling it out, he slid into his usual pre-raid briefing. Well, we're out of slosh, boys. A quiet settled over the crew at Axe's opening words. However, our young lad Hell put an eye on a group of businessmen camping a little more than two leagues west of here. A few of the horses began to nicker and shift, mirroring their riders' emotions. Now, our young eagle eye here did mention that these friendly, kind-hearted, noble-loving traders were generous enough to bring two whole carts of sweet, sweet Angiri reflection to our lonely outpost. A murmur of anticipation went up among the men, which was as good as a cheer from this group. The bandit king smirked, enjoying his moment of theater. Now, I can only assume that these travelers are here to deliver a welcome bounty of charity upon us because they have elected to camp at night on our very porch with only six mercs for protection. Several of the crew chuckled at that, mostly among the veterans. I must warn you, though, there are some who may be spooked when, they, when we come upon this camp. Axie shot a quick glance over at Craven, because along with their compassionate cargo, these kindly merchants are traveling in style with a fancy sleeping carriage that we may need to confiscate as well. A couple of the veterans snorted at the flippant comments. The younger riders remained silent. However, since we aren't trying to lose anyone on the easy ones, Hell is going to lead us about two miles out. Then he'll dismount and lead Craven, Lark, and Jury to deal with any scouts they may have. When the coast is clear, They'll call us in with the horns, and we'll relieve these kind folk of their wares. There was a silence across the camp as the men readied themselves for the encounter. Axius tilted his head towards Craven, shooting him a weary look, to which the wiry man gave a slight nod. Well, all right, then. Let's ride out!